right, our vision here at Convergence is encounter Jesus and transform cities. We love Jesus. We love him. And every opportunity that we get as a family to come and to encounter him and then to take it out and see a city transformed, that is what we bleed for here. We want to see Fort Worth changed. We want to see this area changed. We want to see the nation changed. And it's only going to be changed as we give people, allow them to see and encounter the man Jesus. That's it. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that I have no idea what I'm doing. And I love you. I thank you that you're leading this meeting, not me. I thank you for this body. I thank you for this family. We thank you for fear being eliminated. We thank you for chains being broken. We thank you for lives being changed. We thank you for, for the opportunity and the blessing that it is to get to gather in your name this morning as a family. And we just say that we love you. We're not here to hear a, a, a good teaching. We're not here just to be inspired. We're here to encounter your presence. And we love you. Can you just tell him that you love him? We love you, Jesus. We love you. Wow. Oh, man. I feel like I need to go to house of prayer and just lay on the floor. I'm going to try to pick it up because I do feel like the Lord has a message this morning. Hey, if you're a guest, my name is Andrew Fish. My wife Emily and I are the senior pastors here, and we just want to welcome you. Really glad that you're here. If this is your first time, you got a really good dose of who we are during worship. Um, and I just want to read this real quick because I've been reading this in all of our staff meet in um, our staff meeting, and I just felt like this is really powerful. And this is convergence is a people that pursue the presence of Jesus. A people that rise above the noise of culture. Convergence is a people that stand for his righteousness. A people that walk in the fullness of the gospel. A people empowered to be ministers through the Holy Spirit. A people that walk in the gifts of the Spirit. Convergence is a people that prophesy. A people that know they are sent. A people that love those around them. A people that are willing to stand for the truth of God's word. A people that run together in the context of spiritual family a people that disciple the generations, young and old, into greater intimacy and purpose. Convergence is a people that call the bride to join together in unity. A people that know they belong, a people that hate evil but cling to what is good, and a people that know their identity as sons and daughters. That's what you walked into this morning. That's who we are. And as I said on Vision Sunday, we do it together. All right, well, hey, recap. How many of you have been here for the last two weeks? Okay, so there's a lot of hands that are not raised. So that's why I need to do this. Okay, I need to catch you up to speed. If you have not caught the podcast, I'm just going to do a shameless plug because it's re actually the last two messages are really important. Two weeks ago, I talked about a priestly people, and then last week, Wesley talked about God's heart for Israel and the nations. And it was amazing. You need to go back and listen to it. But two weeks ago, I talked about a priestly people. And I want to encourage you, I'm going to give a very short recap, so go back and listen to it. But what I talked about is that as believers, we are priests through the Holy Spirit under our high priest, which is Jesus. Through the Levitical priesthood, you had to bring a perfect sacrifice in order to be right with God. Priests were the ones who performed sacrifices on behalf of the people. But the new covenant priestly line 
through the line of Melchizedek, who, by the way, his name means king of righteousness, which is awesome. We see in Hebrews how he was a figure representing Christ, who is our high priest. So Melchizedek was a Christ-like figure, and we see that Jesus, in Hebrews 5.10, was designated by God as a high priest through the order of Melchizedek. And that was a picture of what was to come even through the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And so as priests, we don't strive to find God. We're not coming this morning, and we're trying to strive to figure out how we, all of us together, can figure out how to make God come. And you know what's beautiful is, as a priest, you are a temple, a temple of the Holy Spirit. So we have to understand He is near, but not just near, he's within us through the Spirit. And so this impacts the way that we approach God. We don't approach a God, we don't approach God saying he's way out here. We approach God knowing that he's near, he's within, he's all around, he's the air that we breathe. He's he's with us when we're driving, he's with us when we're with our kids, he's with us everywhere that we go, and that revelation changes the way that you interact with him. I love what Kim did last week in the children's message, did you guys like that? Right, she had binoculars, and it was like way out here, it was like, all right, you have to use binoculars to see something that's far off. But then when she had binoculars and she was sitting next and she had someone sitting right here, the binoculars don't work anymore because he's that close. You don't need binoculars to see him. He's near. The other thing that this establishes that's really important is this. You have God's attention. Within the Levitical priesthood, you brought a perfect sacrifice to get his attention. Jesus has already made, he was the perfect sacrifice. And because when he ascended to the Father and was glorified through the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, you don't have to try to find God's attention. It's directly on you right now. He loves you and his attention is on you. So what I want to do this morning is I want, to, I want to talk about walking with the Holy Spirit. I was really wrestling with what to preach with this morning because there's a lot of things that I want to preach. <laughs> so sometimes as pastors, we have to kind of figure out like, okay, I have a lot of stuff that's on my heart. So what is really on the Lord's heart this morning? And when I was praying about that, I felt like the Lord said, I want you to talk about walking intimately with the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of things that I could talk about, but one thing I want to say even as I begin this is that the Holy Spirit is my best friend. I love the Holy Spirit. And I think something that I'm going to establish real quick is we we need to view the Holy Spirit as a person, not as some weird spooky spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. I'm going to lay some some groundwork because there were quite a few of you that were not here two weeks ago. So I'm going to lay this again. John 14, if you have your Bibles. If you have your Bible, leave it open because you're going to be turning a lot. We're going to be in the word this morning. Cool? Spirit and truth. Come on. John 14, verse 16. If you have a highlighter, this is a great passage of scripture to highlight. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper so that he may be with you when? Forever. Verse 17, the helper is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he remains with you and will be what? In you. Highlight that. 18. 
We already did this this morning. We stepped into sons and daughters, but here's what Jesus says. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. After a little while, the world no longer is going to see me, but you are going to see me because I live. You will also live. Verse 20. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I in you. The one who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will reveal myself to him. Verse 22, Judas, in parentheses, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what has happened that you are going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will follow my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and what? Make our dwelling with him. Oh, that's good. That's good. All right, let's go two chapters further. John 16. John 16. Keep the highlighter out. Verse 5. But now I am going to him who sent me. Jesus is telling them directly, I am about to ascend to the Father. And none of you ask me, where, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, grief has filled your heart. Verse 7, but I tell you the truth, it is to your what? Advantage. Underline that. It is to your advantage that I am leaving. For if I do not leave, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Verse 8, and he... I want you to notice how many he's we're about to have, okay? And he, when he comes, will convict the world regarding sin and righteousness and judgment. Regarding sin because they do not believe in me and regarding righteousness because I am going to the Father and you no longer are going to see me. And regarding judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. Verse 12, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them at the present time. But when he... The spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. Verse 14 is really important. He will glorify me. Wow. For he will take from mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. This is why I said that he takes from mine and will disclose it to you. I want to give you four points. I want to highlight four things that we just read. Number one, it is to your advantage that I go. Can you imagine the disciples in this moment? They didn't think that it was to their advantage in that moment because they've been walking with Jesus. But Jesus literally looks at them, and I want you to catch this too because the disciples have been following Jesus, and they've seen him do anything incredible miracles and yet Jesus stands there and tells them out of everything that you've seen it's actually to your advantage that I go what does that communicate that there's more there's even more what does Jesus say greater works than these will you do greater greater do we believe that Okay, some of us do. Maybe I'll ask again. Let's keep going. <laughs> Number two, a dwelling place. If you have notes, write this down. I am a dwelling place of the Lord. I am a dwelling place of the Lord. Or as David says in Psalm 132, you are a resting He said that in John 14, 23, make our dwelling with them. Number three, and this is a really big point, and that is that the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus. John 14, 19, but you are going to see me because I live, you also will live. He lives, therefore you live, and you will see him through what? 
the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. Number four, just to set us all on the same page, the Holy Spirit is a person. He is the third person of the Trinity. He's not some ethereal force. He's not some Star Wars thing. Use the force. No. The Spirit is God. And he is the third person of the Trinity. He is ascribed all throughout Scripture. And I'm going to read you a lot of Scripture in a minute. He is ascribed personality. The Holy Spirit is given character. There's a verse in Acts where it actually says the Holy Spirit speaks. It says the Holy Spirit said. And right here in this passage in John 16 in the New American Standard Bible it says nine times he uses the word he. He's not saying it. And it, the Holy Spirit, he says he will lead and guide you into all truth. He will be a helper. He. He is the third person of the Trinity. The only way to walk out the Christian life is to walk by the Spirit because it is the spirit that is leading, guiding, and keeping your eyes on Jesus. And listen, through the Holy Spirit, you are a new creation. You are a new creation in Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 5.17. The old has passed away. The what? The new has come. What does this mean? It means I don't walk by the Spirit in my old man, but as a new man. Some of you are like, I don't, I don't know if I believe him. All right. Let's find it in here. Turn to Colossians 3. I'm just telling you, we're a family. We're going to read this, and we're going to let it mark us. Colossians 3. What does it say? Verse 1, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have what? Died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Verse 5. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as what? Dead. Now, I want you to think about what the word dead means. Does dead mean alive at all? When something is dead, it is dead. Now, of course, there's resurrection power. I'm not, don't, don't go with me there. Okay, we're talking about when something is dead. It's dead. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to, and he begins to list off, not your new man, but your old man, what you, what you got free from this morning. We are free from what? Immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to our idolatry, for it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience, and in them you also what? Oh, you got to catch this. You once walked. Oh, man, maybe we just need to read, read the rest of this the whole, for the rest of the service. You once walked. Okay? When you were living in them, but now. You also put them what? All aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self. Now, what does that mean? It means you laid it aside. When I came into right relationship with Jesus, I laid aside the old self. So now what does it say? And have put on what? The new self. Oh. The new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Oh, that's good. 
That's good, but some of you still don't believe me, do you? All right, Ephesians 2. Turn, turn to Ephesians 2. Some of you are like, man, this is really uncharacteristic. No, this is, this is it right here. We're going to find it in the Word, okay? Ephesians 2. My Bible says this, made alive in Christ. Verse 1. And you were what? <laughs> are you catching a the theme here? Listen, we're not just going to preach out of notes that I have. We're going to preach from the word. So I want you to read this, and I don't want it to just be one of those things where you're like, oh, yeah, that sounds good, Andrew. Like, okay, sounds a little bit like a fantasy life. I mean, how do I actually do that? I want you to read this, and I want you to see yourself in it. I want it to mark you. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you what? Formally walked. Oh, man, this is so good. According to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, among them we too all what? Formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But what? Oh, here it comes. Are you ready? But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, transgressions made us what? Alive alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus for by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves it is the gift of God not as a result of what works so that anyone should boast. What are you? It's an open book test. Alive in Christ, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. It also says a little further down in Ephesians 2, it says, For through him, which is Jesus, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. Verse 19, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. God didn't create us to live according to the way world works but according to the pattern of Jesus and Jesus lived in absolute dependence on the Holy Spirit and in perfect obedience to the Father that was written by a pastor his name's Lee Cummings and he wrote a great book if you want some additional homework outside of this he wrote a great book called the school of the spirit that I highly recommend so listen to this. As a new creation, walking with the Holy Spirit, that means being dependent upon him. But now this begs the question, at least it does in my mind, what can we depend on the Holy Spirit for? Or, said another way, what role does the Holy Spirit have in our walk with Jesus? And now, I'm going to give you 29 distinct roles of the Spirit as found in Scripture. And yes, for those that are wondering, I will email this later on to you. I do not have notes. I know people email me and they're like, Andrew, I want the notes. So I will pledge to do a better job of that in 2023. Cool? Um, if, you do, if you're not on our email list, go to our website, make sure you sign up so that you get that email this week because this is really, really cool. And I want to say, too, this is not even an exhaustive list. I went through and individually found most of these myself. 
And I want to say that too, like it's important that you find it in the word. Like look for it. Look for it. All right, so catch this. Number one, and this is the biggest role of the Holy Spirit, and it is this, glorifies and testifies to Jesus. And I want you to see how many places this is found. It's found in John 15, 26, John 16, 14, Acts 5, 32, 1 Corinthians 12, 3, 1 John 4, 2. All of those passages talk about how the Holy Spirit glorifies and testifies to Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Number two, he's the helper. We just read that, John 14, 16. Number three, he is the spirit of truth. That's John 14, 17. John 14, 26, he comforts. John 16, 13, he guides you into truth. Galatians 5, 16, he guides us. John 16, 13, he discloses to us what is to come. Number eight, it's found in John 16, 8, he convicts, catch this, not just sin, but into righteousness. Oh, that's good. Romans 15, 16, number nine, we are sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Number 10, Ephesians 1.13 says we are sealed in Jesus with the Holy Spirit. Number 11, Galatians 5.22 through, through 23, most of you should be able to quote this by heart. He gives us the what? Fruit of the Spirit. What is that? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control. Number 12, Titus 3, 5, he washes, regenerates, and renews. Number 13, it's found in Hebrews 2, 4, he gives gifts. Number 14, Hebrews 10, 15, he testifies to us. Number 15, it's found in 1 Peter 1, 21, he speaks through us. Number 16, it's found in Romans 15, 13, he imparts power. Number 17 is found in 1 Corinthians 2.13. He teaches us. 1 Corinthians 2.12 says he allows us to know the things freely given us by God. Number 19, 1 Corinthians 2.10, he searches. Number 20, 1 Corinthians 3.6, he gives life. Number 21, 1 Corinthians 3.16 and 17, he makes us holy. Number 22 is found in John 15, 26. He witnesses. Romans 15, 13, he loves. Hebrews 3, 7, I'm going to pick it up a little bit. He brings understanding. Romans 8, 26 and 27, he helps us as we pray. 1 Corinthians 12, 11, he gives gifts. Acts 1, 8, he fills us with power. 1 Corinthians 2, 4, he demonstrates. Romans 8, 26 and 27, he intercedes for us. That's 29 roles of the spirit and that is not exhaustive i promise you you could find more are you catching the need to walk with the spirit are you getting that this morning so the holy spirit is a person whose role in our life is all of those things i just listed he is the way in which we walk out the christian life with jesus it is empowered by the spirit of god within us So the main point that I want to just talk about is walking with the Holy Spirit. You can even go to John 7 where Jesus says, what does he say? He says, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And then John then writes that the statement that Jesus made is referring to the Spirit. What does that mean? It means that inside of you is living water through the Spirit. Living water. When Jesus approached the Samaritan woman, what did he say? He said, you're looking for natural water, but I actually want to give you living water. Living water. It is critical that our understanding of the Holy Spirit is one of a person who is God living inside of you and not just something we occasionally talk about when we think of gifts and manifestations. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is either talked about a lot or not talked about at all. 
And he's so important. He's critical to walking with the Lord. Okay. Galatians 5. Turn in your Bibles. Galatians 5. I want you to look at verse 16. It says this. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are what? Led by the Spirit. You are not under the law. I want to stop there for a second. Take a Selah moment. Paul says walk. He's writing to the church at Galatia. And he says walk by the spirit. So what does the word walk mean? In the Greek the word walk is the word peripateo. And I know I'm pronouncing that more like Italian. So bear with me. If we have any Greek scholars in the room, I apologize in advance. What does that word mean? It doesn't just mean walk, I can tell you that. Listen to this. It means to live, but it means to follow as a companion. But I say, follow as a companion the Spirit. Doesn't that change the way you read it? So when it says walk, it's not just talking about you walking on the road by yourself. It's talking about walking as if, as if there's a companion. Your best friend is walking that road with you. And everything that you do throughout the context of life is actually followed and living within the spirit. So the Spirit's not just this thing that we're like, well, he's inside of us, but I don't really know what that means. I don't really know. Think about it as your best friend that is walking the road of life, looking, making sure, keeping your eyes on Jesus, helping you, guiding you into truth. I can't list all 29 from memory. He's doing all of those things as your best friend, as a companion. So when it says walk by the Spirit, it's as if your best friend is walking with you. That is the Spirit inside of you, leading you, guiding you into all truth, leading you into righteousness, showing you what's real, disclosing Jesus to you, glorifying Jesus, showing you what is to come. So Paul is exhorting them. He's not a weird force, but a relational companion. And then Paul goes into this. He says, instead of conducting yourself based on your human desire, conduct yourself based on the desire of the Spirit within you. This is why he says... So that you may not do the things that you please. Now, why would he say that? It sounds like he's basically saying, don't, don't do what you want to do, right? Okay. So obviously there are things that, like, let's not get too religious about this, okay? We all love to do things. The point is that without walking by the Spirit... Your flesh, which is your human desire, needs the spirit to tell it, this is what walking in righteousness looks like. This is what Jesus looks like. And if we go our own way, we fall into things that we shouldn't. Listen to this. This is really important. Your calling and purpose is not tied to earthly desire, but to spiritual leadership through the Holy Spirit. And I've taught this as a preacher. One of my first messages was about dreaming. And listen, you need to dream with the Lord, but with the Lord is the only proper way to dream. 
Because if you dream without him, you're doing it in your own desire. You're trying to build your own thing when the Lord actually wants to walk with you in that dream. And for years, I even taught, just do whatever you want, you know, whatever is, is in your heart. And it's like, well, no, we actually have to delight ourselves in the Lord first. I used to only read the second half of that verse. I used to preach only the second half of that verse. You can have the desires of your heart. But what's the first part? Delight. So if you're not delighting yourself in the Lord, the desires of your heart are probably taking you down a road you don't need to go. Mm. Whew. I feel like I'm just spouting things this morning, but that's okay. When you follow, live by, and engage the Holy Spirit, you realize that your way doesn't work. So Paul is trying to get them to understand your way and your own understanding doesn't work. And I think this is one of the big issues that I see sometimes, and I'm going to throw a really broad statement. I hate making broad statements because they're not true for everyone. But sometimes even in religion and in kind of our American culture and sometimes even mainstream Christianity, I think we've actually created doctrines based around the fact that you can actually have it both ways. What do I mean? I mean, guess what? Come in and you can have your way and you can have his way. Why is that not right? Because you deny yourself, crucify yourself, die to yourself in order that he may be glorified. So actually, I can't tote the line. I can't have it both ways. Because if I have my way, I, I'm, I'm not following him. And if you understand what I'm saying. But sometimes I think we've actually encouraged people that they don't need to fully rely on God, but just enough or just a little. And we say things like this. It's okay to watch what you want. It's okay to listen to whatever you want. It's okay to look at whatever you want. You just need to do you. You just need to do whatever you want. And it's all individually based on you doing what you want to do. What if I don't want to do what I want to do? I want to do what the Lord, right? But you can't have it both ways. Oh, this is not, I know this is not a popular message. I get it. Listen to this. Religion creates a best of both worlds version because that version means you don't actually have to change. Why do we have the problems that we have and that you even see in church? Because we're preaching and we're exhorting and we're inspiring in such a way that you actually don't have to have your life changed. Oh, I'm stepping on toes this morning. I don't know about you, I don't want to subscribe to a version of Christianity that I walk in and we have a great service and my life, I walk out looking exactly the same. I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Ha <laughs> ha. But you can't have it both ways. And I think this is a problem that we have. We have this thing where it says you can tote the line and do your thing. This is not what living the Christian life is meant to be. He act, Jesus actually said what? Crucify the desires of your flesh. Oh, but we don't like to talk about that because we're like, but we want that. And God wants to partner with you to see the desires of your heart fulfilled. I'm not saying that. What I am saying, though, is doing it apart from him is just your own thing. It's what they were doing in Genesis 11. It's the Tower of Babel. What were they doing? Building this tower before God, all in unity, and they said this word, this phrase exactly, let us make for ourselves. Listen to that. So what did God come in and do? Say, who told you to build a tower? I certainly didn't. So he confuses the languages. And then what happens? Acts 2, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Instead of the languages being confused, he brings unity in language by the Spirit. 
Okay. Deception always appeals to the flesh, but not the spirit. If you want to learn how to spot deception, if your human nature loves it, be careful. Because there's a part of you that the Lord, again, it's a new man. So deception likes to tell you that you can do whatever you want. You can have it. But that's not going to lead to transformation. So listen to this. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way which seems right to a person, but its end is the way of death. What does this mean? It means your way, your desire, your plan, your freedom, your satisfaction, your happiness, your fulfillment, your ability will not work apart from the Holy Spirit. This is why having lots of money doesn't make you happy. This is why just being married doesn't make you happy. If you're a young adult in the room, don't get married so that you'll just be happy. Just dating or finding the right guy or girl in your life doesn't make you happy. Just working your dream job doesn't make you happy. True satisfaction, life apart from Jesus is death. That's the way the way, that's why it says the way is narrow because it's denying yourself, picking up your cross and following him. The only way I find true satisfaction in life, the only way my marriage thrives, the only way I'm able to be who I am, walking in the fullness of who I am is life by the spirit. It's by laying myself down, picking him up. He is the first thing in my life. He's the one I walk with. And when I'm walking with him, it's amazing how everything else in my life begins to fall into place. It's amazing how my marriage thrives. It's amazing how my ability to be a good father happens as I walk with the companion of the Holy Spirit inside of me, engaging with him, interacting with him, living with him. I used to pray this prayer all the time when, I was, when, when we were putting my daughter down for bed. I used to say, Lord... I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are teaching and helping Emily and I to parent Adeline to the best of our ability through you. You know why I prayed that prayer? Because I know I don't have the ability on my own to be a good parent. I need the guiding and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. All right. I got to move quick. There is an inward and eternal reality that is actually to dictate the way in which we live our lives. Not just a good Bible story, encouragement to live a good life. The Holy Spirit wants to run your life, not just be a small part of it. So Paul goes on in Galatians 5.18. He says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. And he begins to list off a whole bunch of deeds of the flesh. Sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostile strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing. That's a lot. And things like these of which I forewarn you. But then what does he say? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. What's the point? He's contrasting two different ways to live your life. On your own, with the Spirit. So listen to this. If you do life this way, you get. If you walk by the Spirit, you get. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, look, you guys can do it on your own. That's cool and all. But this is what's going to happen if you do that. But this is the fruit of life with the Spirit. One of the biggest walks that I've had with the Holy Spirit has been this element of a lot of people, you'll hear this a lot, the Holy Spirit's main role is to convict you of sin, right? How many of us have kind of heard that, right? We, we, we've been taught that. And I, I just, one of the things that the Holy Spirit revealed to me is that the Holy Spirit is not just all about look at all your junk. Because that's, that's just like, oh gosh, I'm just 
stuck in my stuff? You know? What if the Holy Spirit isn't trying to just convict you of sin? He's convicting you into righteousness. How does that change the way that I walk with the Holy Spirit? It means when I feel conviction, it doesn't always mean that I've sinned. Oh, man, I don't know if I have enough time to go through all this. I'm going to tell you guys a story, and this is a vulnerable story. I remember one time. So most of you hopefully probably know my story, a little bit of my story. I struggled with pornography for 13 years. It was a 13-year addiction. And then I got set free, but not only did I get set free, I had my innocence restored completely restored. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about that right now. So right after this happened, I've been struggling with this for 13 years. I get complete freedom, lasting freedom. I'm not talking about partial, maybe I'm free. I'm talking about like I have been living my entire life free from that thing. That's a testimony. So I remember one time after this, I had my innocence restored. I was walking in the mall, and the mall is not my favorite place already. And I was walking in the mall, and I passed by, I just, you know, I just just passed by that store, Victoria's Secret, right? And I just happened to just kind of look at it and then look away. Immediately, conviction of the Holy Spirit. Now, please, I know, please understand, I'm not trying to talk bad about something this morning. I'm taking you on my journey. Can I do that? Okay. Immediate conviction. So I'm asking the Lord about that. I'm like, Lord, it was, it was, and this is just like an accidental look, right? I'm not like, you know, I'm not, there's not lust in my heart. Like, this is just, I just happened to gaze, just accidentally walking in the mall. And the Holy Spirit convicts me. And I asked the Lord about it. I said, Lord, I didn't sin. And the Holy Spirit was taking me on a journey of saying, it's not about sin. It's about me keeping you in righteousness. Oh. What does that look like in that moment? It's one accidental look, right? We're inundated with this stuff in the world. Inundated with it. The Holy Spirit was putting up guardrails in my life because he knew, he knows what you've struggled with. He knows what's been going on in your life. So I come out of this addiction and I'm faced with this moment, just accidental thing, and the Holy Spirit convicts me because he wants to put up guardrails in my life to say, don't look again. Not because you've sinned, not because you're going to sit in your sin, but because I desire that you walk in righteousness. And I'm going to make a statement right here that may be not so fun to a lot of people, and it is this. Righteousness means being vigilant about this walk, not just, oh, that's okay. Is it though? Maybe not. That's why it's a journey with the Holy Spirit. There are so many things that I get convicted about that I'm like, Lord, why? And the Holy Spirit is teaching me and guiding me to walk on a journey with him. And so I'm going to be real honest, and this is going to sound weird. But I'm the guy in the mall that goes like this. I'm the guy in the mall that will pass by a different direction to not take that path in the mall. Not because I'm like hyper, like, oh, no, but because I know my journey and my walk with the Holy Spirit and my path of righteousness, my identity, I have to be vigilant about it. So if I can take another path around the mall and not be faced with even an opportunity, I'm going to do it. I remember one time I was watching a a TV program, 
I'm not going to say what it is because I don't, I don't want to do that. And I got about six episodes in and all of a sudden, the wife was cheating on the husband. Immediately turned it off. Why? Conviction of the Holy Spirit. Why? Not because I sinned. Because the Holy Spirit was saying, this is not life for your marriage. Some of us are watching things that are actually putting death, lies, and they're putting thoughts in your mind that you think this is just innocent. And the reality is that the Holy Spirit comes in and with his conviction, not because of sin, but because you are called to walk in righteousness and he just puts this gut, right, as believers, can we just be honest, there's no such thing as a gut feeling. Your gut doesn't feel like, what is it? It's the Holy Spirit. So many times you're like, what does your gut tell you? I don't know. Yeah. What is the, yeah. Yeah. Time to end church. Okay. Lunchtime. That's what your gut's telling you. Okay. But listen, what is the Holy Spirit telling you? I think sometimes, listen, the Holy Spirit is convicting me into a constant walk of righteousness that looks like making sure that my eye gate remains pure. What did Jesus say? Let's use the words of Jesus. Matthew 6, 33, what does he say? The eye is the lamp of the body. So then, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. When you're walking with the Spirit, this is what I want to, I'm going I'm to try to land the plane. Companionship. Life with the Holy Spirit looks like interacting with him. It looks like engaging him. It looks like listening to him. And it looks like for some of you, you've been even suppressing certain things. You've been like, I don't know if this is you, Lord. Listen, ask him, engage him. Why is it that I didn't feel right about that moment? Why is it that I was watching that and something in me just felt off? Engage him. Because what he might be saying is, that's not life. I think sometimes, again, we kind of create this version of walking with Jesus that's like we can still do a lot of the things that the world does. I don't know about you, but I feel like Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is raising up a remnant. And do you know what this remnant's going to do? It's going to say no to things that actually is going to offend other believers and Christians because they're walking more in religious tradition than they are in life with the Spirit. Because how can you be in the world and not of it? By not walking by the ways of the world. And so you know what? I'm going to be that goofy guy in the mall. Right? And there's going to be people that are going to be like, we need to make a TikTok video of that guy. They're going to think I'm nuts. And you know what? I am nuts. Because I believe in doing everything that I can to walk by the Spirit in righteousness. And I don't care a flip about what other people think. I don't care a flip. I don't care a flip if you want. If, I don't care. It's worth it for my mind to be set on things above and not on things below. It's worth it. So yeah, I'm not going to watch an R-rated movie. Don't invite me to one. I'm not condemning you right now. There's no shame. I'm telling you my journey. I've gone on a journey where I've realized I've said yes to so many things that have led me down a path that I don't want to go, even if it's just in my mind. And I'm not willing to do it anymore. Because life 
by the Spirit means you look different than the world. I don't want to look the same as everyone else. I want to look different. I want to shine. I want there to be light. It says that what you look at actually has the ability to fill the entire rest of your being with light. So sometimes we've sort of done this thing where it's like, oh, it's okay. Like, you're a believer. It's all right. Like, do whatever you want, but, you know, just, just don't sin. Just don't sin. I can't do whatever I want. And I won't do whatever I want. Because this says, walk by the Spirit. Are we catching this this morning? Is that cool? <laughs> mm. I refuse to look at, gaze at, or think about anything that would even have an inkling of an ability to come in the way of my heart before, my, before the Lord and my marriage. Yes, go pick your kids up. So I want to encourage you as we end, this is the whole point, is spend your, like, engage and interact with the Holy Spirit. Walking with the Holy Spirit means engaging with him. It means asking him questions. I want you to engage the Holy Spirit. I want you to walk as if it's a companion. Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? Holy Spirit, what are you saying tonight for my daughter? Holy Spirit, what are you doing in my marriage right now? Holy Spirit, what's happening in the mall right now? Holy Spirit, what are you doing? Engage him, walk with him, and then also be very aware of what he begins to show you and tell you. Why, did I, why, why do I feel slimy after watching that? Well, it didn't bring you life. The Holy Spirit is your best friend. So how do we walk? We walk, we learn to interact with him. It means learning to pay attention to his leading discernment. It means this listening to his still small voice, the whisper, the knowing that something isn't right. So many times I think we shrug off things that we are sensing when the reality is that the Holy Spirit is talking to you. Sometimes we're like, oh, I don't know why I'm feeling that way, but every, nobody else is feeling that way, so I'm just going to shrug that aside and just walk this road. And my encouragement to you is to take a Selah moment. Selah moment. And say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? And stop. And listen. Stop and listen. Oh, there's something in that that I, that, I, that I don't need to be doing. Okay, thank you, Holy Spirit. Okay, something's off about this situation. I remember one time I was in Brazil, and there was a guy that was praying with some of our girls. And I immediately felt like something was off because it was just him and girls on our team. So I walk over to him. I put my hand on his shoulder, and instantly I had pornographic thoughts. Not my thoughts, his thoughts. And the Holy Spirit said, you need to stay with the girls, and you need to engage in this moment and pray. How did that come about? Because I felt the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit to a moment that allowed me to protect girls on my team, but also have the opportunity to help bring freedom for this man who was dealing with pornography. But I didn't know any of that on my own. It's all the Holy Spirit. It's a journey. Learn to walk with him. Engage him in the small things of life. He wants to walk with you. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. He wants to comfort you. He wants to teach you and train you in all truth. He wants to disclose more about Jesus to you. But sometimes we have to get away from the busyness of what's going on. We have to slow things down and we have to engage him and say, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? All right, let's stand.
I'm landing. Walking by the Spirit is intimacy with Him. (laughs) I know this message might have been a little... But I'm I'm just rolling. One of the great verses that I use often... If you've ever been to our foundations class, you've heard me quote this verse. And it's 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12, and it says this. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know, say no. No. So you've received the spirit, not of the world, but of God, so that what? You may know the things freely given to you by God. And then what? Verse 13. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. What's the point? The point is supernatural prayer is recognizing and asking the Holy Spirit to get his supernatural thoughts that lead to supernatural prayers. What is, when we say praying in this, like pray with the Spirit, So many times we're like, what does that mean? It means that you're not actually praying your own words. It means that you're praying the will of God through the Spirit because you're interacting with him as a friend, as if I would my best friend saying, hey, like, what do you want me to pray for you about? Ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to pray for this person about? And then allow him to direct your prayers so that they're not natural prayers, they're supernatural prayers. All right, Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your word. And Lord, I ask that you would mark us afresh and that you would allow us to walk in, walk by the Spirit and not carry out the desires of the flesh. And Lord, I just feel this thing inside me this morning that says just to declare that you are a new creation, so now walk by the Spirit in that reality. Walk as a son or daughter in the reality of who you are, which is righteous. And Lord, I ask that you would raise a remnant in this room that is Convergence Church. That as a family, we are not going to care what people think. We are not going to care about the ways of the world. We're going to walk so intimately with the Holy Spirit that when he directs us, we're going to be willing to go there, even if it means going against the crowd even if it means going against culture. Because your word says to walk in righteousness. So we thank you for that. And Lord, I just ask you that you would lead us, Holy Spirit. I ask you this morning that even as we leave, that we would be so aware of your still small voice, that we would be so aware of how you desire to lead us to guide us, to comfort us, to lead us into all truth. So Holy Spirit, I ask even this week, Lord, I ask you that you would reveal yourself in a fresh way to to all of us in the room and to those watching online. We love you. We're so thankful for you. ask you too that as we walk by the spirit that for some of us there's actually decisions and there's things that you need to do that actually the Holy Spirit is saying I want to set you apart from the world in this way and for some of us there's actually there's actually homework in that You need to ask the Holy Spirit, what is it that I need to do? What is it that you want to show me? That you don't want me to participate any longer in?
because my life is meant to be, as it says in Joshua, when he says, consecrate yourselves. That word means set apart. Life by the Spirit means you are set apart from the world. So Jesus, would you show, Holy Spirit, would you show, would you show people things that maybe they need to leave and do? Would you allow us to walk intimately with you as best friends? Life with the Spirit is the only way to true success. Life with the Spirit is the only way to a supernatural, healthy marriage. Life in the Spirit is the only way to walk rightly with my family, even when things are messy. Life in the Spirit is the only way that I can adequately parent and be the best father that I can be. So Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us, to guide us into all truth, We need your truth, Lord. We need you to reveal your word, to sear the word of God on our hearts so that we walk by the Spirit in spirit and in truth. And we love you. We love you. I feel this morning that for some in the room, your mind is being renewed. The enemy has been plaguing your mind with thoughts, accusation, shame, condemnation. And right now, the Holy Spirit is saying, you're free, your mind is You have the mind of Christ, so walk by the Spirit with a new mind. week.